Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. So glad to have the rain finally out of the forecast. Looks like it's going to be a couple nice days, and we can, with appropriate social distancing, we can get out and about and start to enjoy what hopefully will be a nice springtime weekend, again, maintaining the appropriate social distancing. Hey, did you hear during the news, they, they quote the health secretary as saying, well, hey, large gatherings, they, they're, they're, they might be out until we have a vaccine, which is, okay, best case scenario, a year, year and a half? Some people think we're not going to have a vaccine for several years. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, I mean, are we really at a point where, I I don't know, no live sporting events, no festivals, nothing for years? All right. Are we willing to do that? We will discuss in a little bit. I want to start off, though, with a story from the world of sports. Yesterday, Brett Favre doing interviews. Brett Favre saying, hey, look, here's the deal. I think Aaron Rodgers... I would be surprised if he finishes his career as a Packer. Of course, everybody knows in the draft last week, the Packers surprised a lot of people by trading up to take a a quarterback. Now the quarterback isn't going to play for the next year or two, but just like the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers to be the successor to Brett Favre, it appears that the Packers have drafted Jordan Love to be the successor to Aaron Rodgers. Thing is, Aaron Rodgers doesn't appear to be ready to go anywhere anytime soon. He's got multiple years left on his contract, and he said he wants to play into his 40s. does not appear that the Packers have a plan to allow Aaron Rodgers to play into his 40s, at least with Green Bay. Now, I have been a sports fan all my life, and one of the things that I think is isn't from a fan's perspective, not a player's perspective, but from a fan's perspective, one of the things that I think has just been unfortunate over the years has been the fact that you have so very few players who start their career with one team and, and end up with that team throughout the, their entire career. And I think that that's one of the things that's kind of hurt loyalty because, you know, it used to be back in the day, hey, this player, you know, you you follow them and they're going to be with the team for the whole career. Now, I understand why that doesn't work out. You know, players aren't slaves. Players, if they they get free agency, if they get better deals and chances for more money, they are going to move around. Don't fault the players for doing that. But still, I think it hurts a little bit. You know, if you remember back when Paul Molitor left the Brewers, I mean, Molitor, he went to Toronto because they could pay him more money than the Brewers could. And that's unfortunate. Robin Yount is revered around here. Why? Well, not only was he a great player, but he played his entire career in Milwaukee. That's something that people remember. That's something that makes a big deal. It's something that doesn't happen a lot. And I will also confess that over the years, there have been exceptions. But over the years, I can imagine, I did, there's one situation after another where you have these great players who 
just want to hang on. And so what they do is they, they want that one extra season in the sun. So they end up going somewhere else. Joe Namath, great quarterback for the New York Jets, played his last two years for the Los Angeles Rams. And he was a shell of himself. He was injured and all that. But you just it just didn't look right seeing Joe Namath in an L.A. Rams suit. Johnny Unitas, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time for the Baltimore Colts. Well, he the Colts decided they wanted to move on. Johnny Unitas went to San Diego and played for the San Diego Chargers. Willie Mays, All right, Willie Mays, my last recollection of Willie Mays when I was a young kid is Willie Mays um, left the San Francisco Giants. He was playing center field for the New York Mets. He was still Willie Mays, but he could barely run. He could barely throw the ball overhand. It was just, it was kind of tough to watch these athletes move on. Of course, here in Wisconsin, it's still, I think, kind of a fresh wound. You will remember that the Packers wanted to move on from Brett Favre. Brett Favre wasn't willing to go, and he ended up, what, first playing that year for the New York Jets, and then two years with the Minnesota Vikings, kind of a, a thumb-in-your-eye thing for the Packers, and then ultimately retired. It's taken a while, but I, I think you know those bridges have been now rebuilt, and Brett Favre shows up at Lambeau Field, and he gets the adoration that he likes. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brett Favre says he thinks Aaron Rodgers going to be playing somewhere else sometime before he ends up retiring. Here is my question to you. How will you feel about that? What's it going to look like if we end up seeing Aaron Rodgers in a Chicago Bears outfit or you know he's in a Los Angeles Rams uniform I mean what's it going to be like if Rogers leaves will that hurt his legacy will it be tough for you to accept is this a guy that's had a tremendous Hall of Fame career if it ends tomorrow I mean how tough is it going to be for you to see Aaron Rodgers somewhere else 855-616-1620 that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line my take on this I don't disagree with Brett Favre. I, I think in all likelihood, I mean, Tom Brady is going to Tampa Bay, for goodness sakes. In all likelihood, you're probably going to see uh, the Packers are going to be ready to move on from Aaron before Aaron is ready to go. I understand wanting to play. I certainly don't fault people making as much money as they possibly can. But, you know, it's going to tough. It's going to be... It's going to be gut-wrenching. It's going to be a gut punch, I think, to see Aaron Rodgers play somewhere else. And and if it's the point of just kind of like hanging on a la like what I think Tom Brady is going to do, I don't think that helps the legacy of the player. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As a matter of fact, I think... You know, Johnny Unitas has passed away, but if you talk to him, if you would have talked to Joe Namath, if you would have talked to Willie Mays, they'd tell you that maybe that, that last year or two, that desire just to keep playing for the sake of playing, they might regret it. How tough is it going to be to you to watch Aaron Rodgers in a different uniform if that, in fact, happens like Brett Favre predicts? 855-616-1620. Back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I'm, I'm just a sports fan like you are. That, that, that's it. But at the same time, I, I will tell you, um, I, I can think back of all these instances over the years where you had 
athletes in various, various sports, incredibly successful careers. The team was ready to move on before they did, and they ended up spending like their last year or two in, in a completely different uniform. Typically, it, it doesn't work out well. Brett Favre saying he thinks that's what's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers. Not necessarily not working out well, but says he, he thinks that the Packers are going to be done with him before he's ready to be done with football. How would you feel about seeing Rodgers in a different uniform? Let's start with Dan on the south side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, how you doing? Good. What hey, do you think? I want to tell you, I think, I think that if Green Bay does release him before his time is up, I think Aaron's going to look for the right team. And he's going to win another Super Bowl just to prove the point. I think because we've not had a good defense, and if Aaron Rodgers looks to a team that can do what they want, I think he's going to prove to the point that he can win another Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If he goes to the right team, well, what do you think about a guy like Tom Brady? Tom Brady, incredible success, all the money he could possibly want, and he's leaving the New England Patriots to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who. You know, let, let's face it. Tampa Bay, is, Tampa Bay is not going to win the Super Bowl this year or or next year. I mean, what you know, what, what about Brady? Why do you think he's doing this? I just to prove a point to uh, the old coach of his, just to yeah. say he can win another Super Bowl. I look at it that way, and I do agree with you on that. Tampa yeah. Bay is not going to play off, they're not going to go there. So no, no, th- no thanks for calling. No, no, thanks for the call. I mean, I, I guess, and see, that's, that, that's, I think back, and, and you, you can come up with other examples of this, but I, I mean, I think back of, of all these, these great players who just weren't able to let it go. Um, and, and again, I use the example of Joe Namath, he goes to the Los Angeles Rams. They weren't that good a team. The San Diego Chargers were awful when, when Johnny Unitas played for them. He wasn't going to make a difference. I mean, you look at Michael Jordan coming back, and he plays for the Washington Wizards, okay, after he, he comes back. He, he wasn't going to win that other ring. I, I mean, maybe it's, maybe part of it is it's just the, the how tough it is to walk away from anything, especially, for example, in the world of sports, where you are you are a superstar, your entire life is built around all of this, and then you know you're 35 or you're 40 years old or whatever that is, and you've got a lot of life ahead of you, but you know what you did is all kind of over. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, a lot of text. Jeff, I respect Aaron, but I don't feel the same loyalty as I did to Brett. Aaron seems more distant. Maybe not not fair for him, but for me, it won't be as hard as Favre was. Also, I think Brett should shut up. His comments are not helpful. Jeff Rogers will likely play somewhere else. He also may retire soon um, and just go live in Malibu. Um, let's see. Jeff, late career moves worked out for Molitor, Montana, and Manning. Maybe it will be for Rodgers. Good for him if it comes to that. I would make that move for fair compensation. Legacies survive in the long haul. And, and yeah, it, 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 they do. I mean, just, and, and people, people forget. I mean, the, the classic example of that in Wisconsin is, is the whole thing with Brett Favre and Green Bay. There were a lot of really hard feelings for, a while, and now I, I think we're we're kind of past that. Um, Aaron Rodgers does not have the same connection with fans as Brett Favre does. 
if he did, um, that's okay. Jeff, Aaron Rodgers kind of got a get-out-of-jail-free card when the Packers drafted a quarterback. Packers fans will blame Packers management if Aaron leaves, and they won't resent Aaron. Um, well, I think there, I, I think there's no question about that. Jeff, I think for the most part the Packers organization tends to treat the people who stayed for a long time terribly. Well, it, they're, they're a business, and they try to be, I think, unsentimental and they get to a point where they figure all right we'd rather get rid of a player one year too soon than get rid of a player one year too late and the the players might think that they're going to be able to play uh jeff brett Favre ended his career in minnesota peyton manning ended his career in denver tom brady will end his career in tampa it will not be surprising at all if rogers ends his career somewhere besides green bay it's the fans that need to embrace this and cheer the packers to a win regardless of the opponent and then welcome aaron to the packers hall of fame you know when he comes jeff this is the circle of sports life and 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 again it, it it is and and i will tell you if this is how this all plays out that Two years from now, and again, there, there's he's, he, Rogers has this big contract, and there's all sorts of issues with salary cap and paying money and things like that. But if, if I guess a year or two from now, it comes down to the point that the Packers are ready to make the move, and Aaron Rodgers isn't ready to stop playing the game. Yeah, he has every right to go somewhere else. I just, I, I wish they wouldn't. And then, again, it's easy for me to say, but you look and you say, okay, these people have all the money in the world. It's just, it's tough for me sometimes just as a fan and as somebody who's watched people play their entire career in one uniform, it's tough for me to say, oh gosh, here's somebody that's just out there kind of hanging on. Now, if you have a chance to go, you know, and, and again, get to the Super Bowl or something somewhere else, that's great. If there's an NFL season this year, we'll see what Tom Brady can do for uh, Tampa Bay. Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay. Uh, one, thing in all, one thing in all these conversations that I haven't heard is, you know, maybe the Packers are drafting a viable backup and Jordan Love will be their quarterback for the future. Um we have not had a good backup, and Rodgers hasn't been the healthiest guy. So what happens if Rodgers goes down? And then we have a, a Jordan Love, not to compare him to a Nick Foles, but Philadelphia would not have won the Super Bowl without Nick Foles either. Right, right. So so you're thinking, um, you're thinking it's not necessarily the replacement. This might be more of a, hey, if something happens to Aaron this year, we're, we're ready to plug this guy in and he can maybe continue to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be the guy for the future, but they may not be thinking three years down the road, four years down the road. I mean, what happens if he does get hurt? Maybe we do have a lot better backup option with Jordan Love now. Yeah, it could be. Thanks for call. That is certainly that's the that's the making lemonades out of lemon approach. I, I think. Uh, you know, I, what, what do I know? I'm not the football expert. I leave that to our sports guys. But at the same time, almost everything I read said that Jordan Love is a project, that it's a couple years away. And, and let's let's also be honest. From the perspective of Aaron Rodgers, I think sitting as hard as it was, sitting on the bench for a couple years and learning the offense and getting to work with the coaches and getting to work with Mike McCarthy, even though we know how that ended a decade later, I mean, I think that was probably a good thing. One of the things that kills some of these quarterbacks' careers is they, they come out 
and they're trying to learn the NFL game, and they're playing typically with teams that aren't that good behind offensive lines that aren't that great, not great players, and you know they end up having a rough couple years, and sometimes it injures their confidence, they get hurt, they're never able to recover. So, I mean, I think from the perspective of Jordan Love, there's worse things to have happen. I guess... You'd like everybody, I want to be Pollyanna here, you'd like everybody to kind of walk off into the sunset and be happy. I don't think it's going to necessarily happen that way. I don't disagree with Brett Favre, but at the same time, I don't disagree with our emailers who are saying, uh, maybe Brett's comments weren't necessarily that helpful. Back with more in just a couple minutes, this is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, I think as everybody knows, I, I've been for the last, this is I think the sixth week of broadcasting from, from home. It's just the decision that our company made back at the start of the whole coronavirus pandemic that anybody they could get out of the office, they, they got out of the office. The idea being to keep us healthier and also if you know one of us would happen to be exposed or something, not wanting to come in and, and get everybody else sick. And so they went to a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I mean, I, that's why... Two or three times a week, I thank our engineers for giving me this setup that, that works. And so it's just, it's, would I prefer to be in the office? Yes, but it's, it's a decent alternative. Now, everybody who is working from home in the media, and you see a, a lot of this, a lot of radio people, a lot of on-air people are doing this, but also on television. It, it's the same sort of situation. You see a handful of people who are actually in the studios when you watch TV, but a lot of times what you see is you see people who are in, in their own homes. Now, with radio, it's relatively easy. I plug in a couple things, I throw a couple switches, and, and you're all set. And, again, radio being, again, a sort of a theater of the mind thing, unless you're watching me do my broadcast at State Fair or at Summerfest or something, you don't, you don't see how I'm dressed. Now, some people who are working at home, maybe they've changed their routine. That, that just doesn't work for, for me. For me, my, my routine is exactly the same, and I'm dressed exactly the same standing here in my upstairs office as I would be if I was you know, at Radio City. It just doesn't change for me. Other people are doing different things. I know Steve Scafidi's growing a, a beard or something like that. Now, that, that, that's great, but it's not, it's not for me. But again, radio, if I decided to do the show in my pajamas... It wouldn't make any difference. I mean, you you could do it, and and people wouldn't know. Television is more difficult because television is, is of course, the the visual medium. And one of the, I think, interesting things about this watching media during this this last six or eight weeks has been you you get kind of an insight. You, You see... All right, you've got all these reporters or commentators or anchors or whatever, and you kind of get to see, you know, what what their house looks like. And I think that that's kind of been interesting for some people. The problem, though, with television is that television being a visual medium, you always have to be aware of what the camera sees. And a lot of times, for example, if you're in if you're in a studio. All right, you you get you know okay what's going to be on the air and what's not going to be on the air. You know I did TV on a daily basis for six or seven years up until 2016, and you you always you, you kind of knew okay if I'm coming in today and I'm going to be just sitting at at a desk or I'm going to be standing behind a, a podium. Well, okay, I got to admit maybe there were times where I was wearing blue jeans, 
because you couldn't see them. You know, I had a suit jacket on and a coat, but I was wearing blue jeans. Other times, you know that, okay, that's not what you're going to be doing. You're going to be, you know, on this set, and you're just going to be sitting there, so you, you can't really wear blue jeans. But you, you got to know those different types of things. You got to know what the camera shots were. And you got to know what you could and could not do. Well... Then there's the problem, though, of what happens, number one, when you're at home, and number two, where you don't have a cameraman or a camerawoman to to trust with this. And this is the story from Good Morning America the other day. ABC News reporter Will Reeve, who is the son, actually, of, of the late movie star Christopher Reeve, um, he's, he's doing like a stand-up feature, um, although he's sitting down, but he, he's doing a, a remote feature on pharmacies from his own home. And I don't know if you saw this, but it's kind of amazing. So he he's setting things up. He's his own camera person. So, you know, whatever equipment he has, he's the one that's tasked with, okay, I've got to arrange the lighting. I've got to, you know, focus the camera, and then I'm going to sit here. Well, okay, he apparently doesn't do a very good job of that because he intends to shoot himself from, like, the belly button up. That's kind of the idea. And so, you know, on... On his torso, he's got a you know a dress shirt. He's wearing a sport jacket, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he's talking into the camera. The problem is, well, he didn't set the camera right. And instead of just filming him from the torso up, from like the navel up, um, <laughs> it's it's filming him. Oh, I don't know, from the thighs up. And it is apparent that he's he's not wearing pants. Now, <laughs> he he says afterwards, he said he w- he was wearing shorts. Um, and I don't think just by boxer shorts. I think he said he was he was in shorts, and he's not naked, but he's not wearing pants, which of course um, generates a lot of conversation about that. And now this is the you know all the talk, but I guess it is this kind of object lesson that's out there that if you're going to, I don't know, if you're going to do this and you're going to work from home and you're going to be on television working from home, I think the answer is probably. Well, either figure out how to work the camera right or perhaps just go that next level and, you know, for the little bit of time that you're going to be on the air, you just just wear pants for goodness sakes. Life will be better. Um, he said, and of course, a lot of the speculation was that he wasn't wearing anything. I'm looking at the pictures and you can't quite tell, but he said, no, 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 he'd, he'd, been, he'd been wearing shorts. You don't have to worry about that. So go figure. There he is. All right. Speaking about wearing things, as we deal with what we're calling, you know, the quarantine fatigue. As more and more people have a desire to get out and about, and that's going to be the reality, especially, you know, as the weather gets nicer, and you have some states that embrace that, and you have other states that try to fight that as much as possible. Um, Businesses are trying to figure out ways to reopen, and it's not just a question of the the business reopening within guidelines set by the, the state. What it is, is it's businesses opening up and wanting to do things that make the customers feel comfortable, which is, you know, part of the key. For example, there's a lot of businesses that are shut down right now that could probably have been open, could definitely have been open as quote-unquote essential businesses, but they've been closed because they just don't think that they're going to get any traffic for the foreseeable future. So they're trying to wrestle with how do we do this. Costco which has been, of course, open. I mean, you go past Costco. I mean, I was past the Costco by where I live last Saturday, and I tell you, it looked like, I mean, okay, all the social distancing sort of stuff. I mean, the parking lot was just absolutely jammed. Starting May 4th, 
most Costco locations and the Costco gas stations are going to return to normal operating hours. But all customers, or at least almost all customers, are going to be required to wear a face covering or a face mask. That's going to be the rules. The requirement doesn't apply to children under the age of two or to people who are unable to wear a mask or face covering due to a medical condition, but otherwise um, you're going to be expected to wear a mask. And they're saying, look, we're also going to ask people to follow the rules for social distancing and these other things, but you're going to have to wear a mask. Some other big chains have gone to that rule as well. This isn't the government requiring it. It's the store saying that this is what we are going to do. And, of course, the stores have the right to do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How do you feel about being required by a store to wear a mask? Do you think it's going to be more of an inconvenience? Is it going to be a nuisance? Is it going to make you less likely to shop at a place or more likely to shop at a place, given that there's mandatory requirements to wear a mask? Now, keep in mind, you can make people wear masks, but you can't necessarily make people wear masks the correct way. But I digress. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, but I am curious. Costco now says, starting May 4th, if you're coming into our stores, you're going to have to have a mask or a face covering. Is that going to make you more or less likely to shop at Costco or other stores that are considering doing this? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a second. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, now this isn't the gov. This isn't the Evers administration requiring this. These are businesses making choices. Costco says moving forward, starting May fourth, they are going to require people coming into the store to wear masks, absent a couple minor exceptions. All right, that that's their decision to make. How do you react to it? Are you going to be more or less likely to shop at Costco or other stores that do this? Sue in Madison. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, Hi, Sue. I, I would normally say that I don't think they should be able to do it. However, I work for Target, and we as employees are being forced to wear masks at work now. So they're they're doing it to make to say that they are making us safer but it's really just to make people shopping more comfortable so if they're going to force us to wear masks then they should probably force the people shopping there to wear masks that being said i guarantee that if costco has done it then walmart will do it and anything walmart does then target does right after them so you think this is the wave of the future, that it, it pretty soon for all these big box retailers, it's going to be, you've you got to wear a mask to go in there? I, I mean, I, if I had to guess, I would say yes. I mean, it kind of depends on Walmart, because whatever tar- Walmart does, Target follows right. a couple of days later. Okay, let me ask you this. Because so, okay, so you're you're somebody, you know, you're you're one of the essential workers. So you're there at, at Target on a regular basis. You're dealing with the different customers. Do you think 
ha- making people wear masks, do you think that's going to make, will you feel safer because of that or not really? Not really. Um, it's, it's not bad right now. There's not nearly as many people in the stores, but when this first started, people were still just coming to the stores like crazy and not respecting personal space at all. Right. But they have gotten somewhat better about that. So I don't know that the masks make me feel any safer. I personally hate wearing one. I'm claustrophobic. Um, but we don't we don't right. have a choice. Right. Got it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It's you know, it, it, it is interesting because I, I will tell you. There, and I, I'm not somebody who who wears a mask in public. Um, I, I just don't. I, I'm not. If now, if they say that you have to do it, that that's okay. I mean, I, I do. I'm. I religiously maintain. I mean, I maintain the social distancing. As I've said, I, I carry the the bottle of hand sanitizer and I, I wash my hands on a regular basis. I limit my contact with people. Okay. So for the last couple of days, I, I I went into a Batteries Plus store. Uh, yesterday morning, I think I told that story on the radio, and it was I, I just I needed to get a new battery for my wife's car fob you know, for for the for her car, and there were two there were two employees and me in the store. We had almost no physical contact. We really weren't close to each other. Um, after I came out, I, I wiped down the car fob and I, I did the sand sanitizer on my hand. I, if the employee had been wearing a, a mask. Would it have made me feel safer? I, I, I guess no. I was at the hardware store yesterday afternoon because I had to, Lord knows, I had a couple home improvement projects or at least a couple real simple ones. And so, like, the hardware store I go to has set up, they've got, like, a, a, a plexiglass barrier between the counter. So, again, you're not, you're really not in close contact with the, the person at the checkout thing. Um, the, the people that help you and point you to where it is, they're, they're wearing masks, would did it did it make me feel materially safer one way or the other? I guess the, the answer for for me is is no. If I needed to go to the hardware store and the hardware store wanted to have the rule that you have to wear a mask, well, okay, I I, I do it I guess because I want to go into the hardware store. I'm just not sure it would make me feel that much safer. But that's just me. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Robert in West Bend. Robert, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I totally disagree with having to uh, to, to wear a mask uh, when I go into the store. Yesterday morning, I went to Menards in West Bend. Menards, you, you're, they want you to have a mask on when you came in. I went to buy a patio door. You know, it wasn't you know just a patio door. Uh, the man behind the counter said, "You're not wearing a mask. I'm not going to be able to to to, to serve you." So instead of, you know, they lost the sale, I went across the street to the Home Depot and bought myself a, a door there. Right, right. So yeah, you, it was just the idea. So it did, did, did the idea. okay, when you, when you, okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, I understand that's, and that's, of course, that's going to be the, the choice in this. And again, I, I want to stress, this is not the government requiring this. I mean, these are individual businesses that are doing this. And I guess I'm, I am curious as to how long they're, they're going to do this and whether or not there's going to be a, a rebellion about will they will they lose customers? Will people do exactly what Robert did, which is, hey, I'm going to Menards. They've got this policy. I don't have a mask. I don't feel like wearing a mask. I'm going across the street to another place and get the same thing. Will will there that be that reaction? And I guess the other question is, does this is this cosmetic? Is this prophylactic? Does it really make people... 
safer. And part of the thing is, of course, I mean, I go back to the first weeks of this where they had this, the CDC saying, no need to wear masks in public. It's not going to make any difference. And then, you know, suddenly there, there's been a little bit of this change here. I, I will tell you, again, I, I feel it's to me when I go into a store, it's less about the mask uh, because I, I was in a grocery store week or two ago I was in a grocery store and the the gal who's doing the checkout stuff she's wearing a mask the um other gal that was doing the bagging is wearing a mask and i'm watching the gal at the checkout thing okay she's pulling down the mask with her fingers and she's talking to you know her she's talking to her friend you know who the, the bagger and i'm thinking Okay, even the people that are wearing masks, a good percentage of these folks aren't going to be wearing them the right way anyways. And, and if you pull them down and, you know, you, you've, you've kind of defeated that whole purpose. I guess from a safety perspective, I'm much more into the social distancing, kind of keeping your distance and the hand sanitizers and that type of stuff. I, I don't fault the stores for doing it. I just wonder whether it's going to have a significant impact and whether... You know, it's going to turn people off. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Diane in Bayview. Diane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I uh, happen to be a registered nurse. I have a daughter who's a nurse who's cared for COVID-19 patients. And I fully support all of the businesses that are requiring masks. There was a study that came out, and it talked about transmission, contagion of COVID-19. If a person wears a mask, they are protecting others from infection. Um, If I am wearing a mask and you and I are talking, I have uh, probably an 80% chance of getting an infection, whereas you might have a 20% because I am protecting you from 80% of my germs. If both people are wearing a mask, the protection level rises to above 80% for both individuals. So, Diane, why, I why do you think this? Yes. Why do you think the CDC was was so slow then to recommend that people wear masks? Because that was the advice for the first several weeks that that their study said that they don't think it makes any difference at all. It was their advice. I agree, and I think part of it was uh, not a really a clear understanding. I think another piece of it was not wanting to panic people into, um, well, there was mm-hmm. certainly a large amount of uh, buying of masks and things online and then trying to charge exorbitant amounts for them. But I, I really think right. a lot of it was not trying to panic the population. Got it. Oh, it could be. Okay, thanks for call, day, and I appreciate it. And again, this is, I, I keep stressing, this is not the government forcing these stores to do this. This is individual stores who are making the, these decisions. And there is going to be, it, it's going to be, there's going to be a business fallout to this. Do I think, do I think there's going to be a dramatic drop-off in business? My answer is probably no. I mean, if you want to, if you're, if you're planning to go to Costco, you know, to pick up, to make your grocery run, and to buy whatever you're going to buy at Costco, you're, you're either going to feel that, oh, this is great, it's making me safer, or you're going to feel, okay, this is a nuisance, but it, it's something I'm willing to put up with because I like to go out and, and shop at Costco. Now, I know we had our one caller who said that, you know, they rebelled against the thing at Menards, and so they went across the street to, you know, Home Depot or, or wherever. And there is going to be a little bit of that, 
My guess is also at the same time, do I think that there's going to be all sorts of people who are going to say, okay, I'm now going to suddenly start shopping at, at, cost, at Costco because they make you wear masks as opposed to you know, somewhere else that doesn't. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's going to be the case as well. I, I think that the stores that have the voluntary types of things, my guess is they're going to continue to be the most successful. But you know, just, just be aware of the fact that if um, – you know, some of this is the new thing, and so whether it's the cloth face masks, and of course our, our last caller was was absolutely right. Wearing the face mask is more designed to keep you from infecting other people than it is to keep other people from in, infecting you. Because the idea would be if you get up close to somebody and you know you breathe into their space, and then you've got their or you 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 spit or or whatever. Um, that that could be the transmission. I guess that's one of the reasons. Just just me personally, it's it's the staying away from other people that that I find to be the the, the more helpful than that. But this is this is going to be the new normal at least for a little while, unless people rebel in a big way. All right, a lot of stuff coming up on the program. Do not go anywhere. What makes somebody essential? And and do we need to change the way we deal with older people in assisted living facilities forever and a day? I will explain. Stick around. Lots more of the Wagner program coming up in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So very glad to have you with us. Hey, um, before we move off the, the last topic, we had a, a number of phone calls, but this, I think, is going to be one of the, the big decisions that businesses are going to make over the next course of the next couple weeks, that is wear, wearing masks. And, again, it's not the government requiring that. It is the businesses making the decision, and it's it's a decision that's going to generate a lot of attention. We were just absolutely swamped with the text line. Let me just share with you a couple texts that came in. Jeff, I am much less likely to shop at places where masks are required. Jeff, this is a complete overreach, unnecessary and ridiculous. I myself will be boycotting Menards. Menards is one of the businesses that is requiring this. Jeff, I won't be doing business with people that require you to wear masks to go into their stores. Jeff, if masks are Costco or Menards is going to require I wear a face mask why can't I buy them there? Everyone is sold out, including Uline and Home Depot. Where in the world can you pa- purchase masks? Interesting point. Jeff, I will not shop where required to wear a mask. I am careful not to touch my face and keep a distance from others. Keep hand sanitizer in my pocket. I find masks difficult to wear. They also fog my glasses. Um, uh, Jeff. Like Menards, which is also requiring masks, Costco is not a government-run company. They can do what they want. If I need something from Costco, I will put on a mask and go in a store. I don't think it's a big deal. Jeff, wearing a mask in stores could possibly be the new normal. The same thing could be said for flying. Um, who wants to be stuck next to or in front of a sick person coughing and sneezing? That's, uh, as a matter of fact, there's a couple airlines. JetBlue is one, and I think... I want to say American, but I could be wrong about that. They're now saying that you know, you're, if you're going to fly, you you've got to wear a mask. Jeff, I don't. I choose to wear a mask because I'm in a high risk category. I don't want my health condition to impose on your freedom. So I would shop based on my own risk. T- 
tolerance. Um, Jeff, nope on masks. We'll specifically avoid stores with that requirement. Most people don't wear them correctly. They are uncomfortable. They're hard to um, breathe in. Jeff, um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, Jeff, Menards is going to start making customers wear masks, too. Yep, that's that's it. Jeff, I will drive from Fond du Lac to Oshkosh to go to Home Depot if the Menards in Fond du Lac does that. Jeff, it's pathetic for people to be mad about wearing a mask. Okay? Um, you know, there you go. Jeff, I will wear them if I have to. If I don't, I, I won't. Um, yes, there is that situation as well. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Jeff, um, this is for everyone's health. People who don't wear masks are idiots. Um, okay. Um, Jeff, if we were just at Menards, if you don't have a mask, they are selling them for a dollar. Jeff, people who don't want to ma- wear masks should just deal with it. Well, they, they guess that's the point. They, they do have to deal with it. Businesses have every right to do that. And then people have the right to decide are you going to patronize that business or not? And is it something, and I guess that's the fundamental question, is it something that's going to make us materially, and that's the key word, materially safer moving forward? See, one of the things, and I want to launch into my, my next thought on this, and we're going to open up the phone lines in just a minute. One of the things that once this, once this slows down, what we're going to, I think, have to do is take a long, hard look at some of the stuff that we have done and then decide, all right, is this stuff that has made us fundamentally safer given what, what it's cost us? You know, given, okay, we got, we've got, you know, millions of people who are unemployed and you've got businesses that shut down and, and you've got people's lives who financially have been destroyed and, and you know, who knows how that's going to be rebuilt. And, and some of the things that, that have caused that undoubtedly do make us safer. Other stuff, maybe maybe not as much. And, and that's what we have to do, I think, moving forward, is figure out, okay, the next time that this happens, or if it's true that we're dealing with COVID-19 in the fall or next year, as we probably will be, because you know who knows how soon they're going to get a vaccine. The record for getting a vaccine was a mumps vaccine that they did in four years. Four years. Now, I understand times are different now. Maybe we've got more advanced science and technology, and maybe you can actually get a vaccine in, in a year or so. I certainly hope that's the case, but, but who knows? But anyhow, I, I think whether it's for COVID-19 or the next the, the next pandemic, they call it a black swan. The next black swan, we have to figure out what what we're doing, and, and has it has it material made has it made us safer materially, or was it a kind of a cosmetic thing? Which brings me to my next topic. In Maryland, the, the state of Maryland, they have just mandated universal testing for all nursing home residents and, and staff. And so um, what they're going to do is they're going to, at, at all of the, whether it's a nursing home or a senior living facility, they are going to mandate that all staff and all employees be, be tested. And the reason they are doing that is because they're focusing on, on where, where the situation is worse. For example, now we in Wisconsin have been very, very slow to report the number of cases in senior living facilities and in nursing homes. In Maryland, not so much so. Here's what they have found since this all started. 
20% of the cases, 20% of the confirmed COVID-19 cases in the state of Maryland have come out of nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and the like. One out of every five cases. On top of that, 48% of all the deaths, almost one out of every two in the state of Maryland, are linked to COVID-19 cases at nursing homes or senior living facilities. All right. Now, if you think about this, th- this makes eminent sense because, uh, again, you've got, in general, you're, you're living at one of these senior living facilities, for example. You've got everybody close quarters, everybody going to the same dining hall, everybody going on the same elevator, everybody you know walking down the same hallways, etc. So you've got people in really close quarters, and you have the particularly vulnerable population. We, you know, we, we all know the stories. You know, if, if you're over 60, you are at a higher risk than if you're at 50. If you're over 70, you're at an even higher risk. If you're at 80, you're at a higher risk. That is of having severe consequences from getting it. And, of course, if you add in high blood pressure or you add in obesity or you add in uncontrolled diabetes, it, it, it increases. So you take somebody who's um, 75 years old, with uncontrolled diabetes and who, who's obese, you know, you, you've got all these different things. And if that person were to get COVID-19, there's a much greater likelihood that you're going to have a bad outcome than somebody who's 32 years old and, and other, other health-wise healthy. So what they're doing is they're, they're concentrating their efforts and they're saying, okay, moving forward, we're going to spend a lot of our resources trying to go after the particularly vulnerable population. 20% of the people, again, in the COVID-19 cases in Maryland, are 20% are people who tested, um, who were, were in the, the nursing homes. I would imagine that once we go and analyze this stuff in Wisconsin, you're going to find that those numbers are probably similar. That, that if you want to look at the areas where there's the largest outbreak, it's going to be nursing homes and senior care facilities. It's going to be manufacturing facilities, places like the meatpacking plant where, where social distancing is very, very difficult to practice. And it's probably going to be in jails. Just saw a story now that they've they've started testing everybody who's in in these jails, which is I think an appropriate thing. And and they had a number of reported COVID nineteen cases in in Kenosha. Now the thankful thing, the good thing is that with the outbreak at the meatpacking plant, there there has not been a significant jump in hospitalizations or in in deaths at least so far. Presumably because a lot of the people that are catching it are not in that that particularly vulnerable capability. But but you have Areas that are concentrated, and in Maryland, they're going to start putting a lot of attention focusing on those areas. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This approach makes a lot of sense to me. The idea that, all right, let's we, we all want to maintain social distance. We all want to do this stuff. But from a, a government perspective, what we need to start doing is really concentrating on the areas where the likelihood of the outbreak is greatest and then where the likelihood of bad consequences if people get sick is the greatest. So the idea of mandatory regular testing of people who live in senior living facilities and the people who work there, I, I think 
I, I think to me that that is a no-brainer, and I think that that needs to be a priority, as well as in some of these other workplaces, these manufacturing places, where it's very, very difficult to practice social distancing. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Regular testing in some of these places, starting with senior living facilities. To me, it just makes sense, and that, I think, is... I mean, to me, that that's that is a priority, and that's where you want to focus resources, as opposed to some of perhaps the the other stuff we're doing, which is keep the whole state closed down. Why don't we start focusing on where a lot of the main problems are and try to head those problems off at the pass? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a minute. The Maryland numbers are very, very clear. My guess is it's going to be similar to that in Wisconsin, and I think it is telling us where moving forward we need to put our priorities. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a text, Jeff. In other words, you're saying we approach this surgically instead of one size fits all finally that's what the, the texter says yeah that, that i guess that that's kind of that, that's sort of the point and again i i understand this is a new sort of thing so i understand that we we have this general one size fits all type of approach i'm just saying that moving forward especially if we acknowledge the reality that coronavirus is going to be with us um, you know, maybe it'll subside a little bit, but it, it's going to be with us until they develop a vaccine, and maybe even then, who knows when they're going to get a vaccine for this? So you, you have to figure out how are you going to prioritize this. Nobody wants to get sick, all right? That's why I think the whole social distancing concept that that's that's here to stay, and I think most of us understand that and take some responsibility with that. There are areas though that I think you do have to prioritize, and. I think these numbers out of Maryland are going to be very, very similar to the numbers in Wisconsin and, and elsewhere where you find that, okay, the, the real hot spots are in, in the nursing homes or the assisted living facilities and things like that, and that's where you know we have to start with the priorities because right, nobody wants to get sick, but an otherwise healthy 30-year-old that happens to get this don't want to have that happen, but if it does, chances are you're going to recover. If, on the other hand, you're 80 years old and you've got these other underlying conditions and you get it, it could be fatal. I guess I was just stunned at the numbers where they say 48%, almost one out of every two, of people who passed away in Maryland as a result of COVID-19 were people who they think picked it up at, at these these facilities. It just That is an unbelievable um, number to me. Um, Let's see. Uh, Jeff, I'd be curious how many cases Children's Hospital is treated. My daughter is a nurse in Madison. Two weeks ago, they they had zero in their their children's facilities. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why some European countries are, are looking at reopening schools because they're they're finding that the the instances of this among children are are just are, are negligible. Which isn't to say that kids haven't necessarily got it, but it's that it just hasn't hit them that that hard. Now, I don't think we're at a point where we're going to be opening up elementary schools anytime soon, but um, you know, but what can you say? Okay, Jeff, um, you know the nursing home residents 
um, are undoubtedly catching the virus from the employees. The residents of these places are not leaving the buildings, are not receiving visitors, so it has to come from employees who are apparently not taking precautions of spreading the disease, which makes them um, unfairly vulnerable. Well, yeah, that's the that's the whole idea, and you're, you're probably you're, you're probably right. I, I know some of the first outbreaks that ended up getting reported in the area, the I mean, I think the operating theory was is that you had a couple employees, including a couple who worked at a different location, might have worked at like multiple places, you know, who, who came in and, you know, had interaction and then went to another facility, which is all the more reason why you, you not only want to test the residents, but you do want to regularly test the employees. So to the extent you can, you can detect early on if somebody might be a carrier and, and then end up keeping them out. My guess is that's also going to extend, you know, it's going to change the way you visit folks. I mean, my, my parents, before they passed away, my parents were in an assisted living facility the last couple of years of, of their lives. And, you know, I mean, I can just remember going to, to visit them, and you just you kind of walk in, you'd wave at the receptionist, they knew who you were, they, you'd kind of go back and you, you'd go into the, the apartments where they were. That, I think that dynamic is going to change moving forward. I don't know how it's going to change, but given how vulnerable the population is, it's it's going to change. It's going to be a, a struggle, I think, um, especially given some of the other financial pressures that are out there for, again, some of these assisted living facilities and the nursing homes. Uh, but it, that that is, of course, the reality. And my point is, you know, moving forward, you know, we, we want to concentrate on, on stuff like that. I will be honest with you. I am less concerned about, you know, two 35-year-old guys in a golf, sharing a golf cart than I am about, gee, let, let's keep coronavirus, you know, out of the, the nursing homes and figure out what we can do to keep people who are working in a meatpacking plant who are shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with each other and are, are touching each other constantly and are having trouble with masks as there's water spraying all over, That that's... That, to me, is where we need to focus the priorities moving forward. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's known simply as the Pink Bat Game. With his mom, Fergie, in attendance, Bill Hall. Remember him? Donned a pink back and bat and slugged a walk-off home run, sending the Mother's Day Miller Park crowd home happy. Tune in next Wednesday, 6 o'clock, as Bob Euchre calls our next Brewers Classic. Brewers Classic is sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Previa, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, and West Bend Insurance. Check that out. All right. We live in a time of uncertainty. No, Nobody knows for sure what what is going to happen moving forward. It's looking more and more like a like the summer of 2020 is going to be kind of a lost summer. You have a lot of county parks canceling fireworks and parades for the 4th of July. Not all so far, but lots are. A couple have delayed them. Lakefront fireworks are off. You have most of the ethnic festivals down at the lakefront, which have been canceled. Summerfest has been rescheduled from the end of June until early July into um, three weekends in September. Uh, again, one thing after another has been canceled. Very, very much up in the air as to whether there will be sporting events this summer and under what circumstances. But the idea of, of large public gatherings 
It seems seems kind of doubtful, at least moving forward. Still don't know any decision on, on state fair yet. They don't have to make a decision yet, but um, it, it's coming up. We're, we're already May 1st, and, you know, state fair kicks off at, at the end of July. And, I mean, boy, summers are so short around here to begin with, but there's a lot of planning and preparation and things that go into it. So we don't know what the future is going to look like. One of the other things that we don't know what's going to happen moving forward has to do with colleges. Now, I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of sensitive to this because my my niece, my goddaughter, she's just finishing up her junior year at San Diego State. And so she's going to go into her senior year. She has been, she, she's out in, in San Diego and she's social distancing and she's quarantining in, in her apartment. But, but the schools are shut down. They're, they're doing, you know, online learning to the extent that, that you can do that. But that's you know, that's what it is. I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Milwaukee but teaches at a college on, on the East Coast. My friend was telling me, yeah, I mean, she, she's been here. You know, they're, they're doing the, the virtual teaching, but, you know, it, it's difficult. It's very, very difficult to do that. But that's just what they have to do because they've closed all the various college campuses. Um, and, and they don't know when it's it's coming back. For my niece, she was supposed to spend the first semester of her senior season uh, abroad. She was supposed to be in Spain. That, that's all. It's, it's not going to happen. They, they've waived that as a graduation requirement. But she's, she's not going to get the opportunity to do that, which is too bad. But the question, the real question is, you know, what what's going to happen to these universities? Harvard already announced that they're going to have a fall semester, but there, it may very well be that that semester is going to occur without students on campus. And that's the same thing that they're saying about a number of other colleges and universities, that you know, we, we, the, this online learning may just be the wave of the future because, hey, you know, if, if you're going to have college classes, let's face it, you've got lots and lots of people, in some cases tens of thousands of people who are going to descend on communities and they're going to be living in, in close quarters. That's part of, of the nature of the college, the university experience. Um, a lot of colleges in the state have managed, they managed to stay open for a while, but of course the story in the last couple of days is how um, UW-Madison has just furloughed most of their employees, and that's similar to what's going on through the, the rest of the UW system. Just, you know, the, the kids are gone. And we don't know when they're coming back. So, yeah, maybe we can do some of this online teaching to the extent that that works. But, you know, we we don't need anybody else to be here, and we can't afford to pay them. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, next fall. And by next fall, lots of colleges start, well, they, they start in, in in mid to late August. That's when colleges typically start. All right, that's... That's less than 90 days from now. Are we going to be, do you think we're going to be in a position to have a a traditional fall semester? Or are we going to lose, you know, in-person teaching on college campuses at, at least at least through the end of this year. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you, um, I, I'm afraid that that's precisely what is going to end up happening. Even though the college population is not typically the ones most at risk of bad consequences, it seems to me 
we're not going to have a vaccine by the end of the summer. How can you bring all the kids back? And if you have a kid who's looking at college or in college, I mean, would you feel comfortable sending them halfway across the country to study in person? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, will the UW system be opening up for in-person instruction in essentially May, June, July, you know, into, you know, August, so in, in less than 120 days. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this doable? Is it likely? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Southeastern Wisconsin, open for business. During these unprecedented times, it's more important than ever to support local businesses. You can head to WTMJ.com right now. You'll find a We're Open link on the homepage. You will see a list of businesses in your community where your family, your friends, and neighbors are open for business. And if you're a business owner, head over to our website, WTMJ.com, to add your business as well. Open for business from WTMJ. TMJ. All right, I, this is, and again, I'm, I'm sort of wrestling with this on a firsthand basis because my, my goddaughter is going to be a senior at San Diego State. She, she's out there, but the, the campus is closed down. There, I mean, there's, you know, she's in an apartment off campus, um, essentially kind of by herself, and, you know, they, they do this online work. But there's a real question about, you know, what, what do we do in, in the fall, which is it's coming up. You know, surprisingly quickly, people are having to make arrangements. I don't know. Are, are kids going to be going back to college? Are you going to feel comfortable sending your kids to that college environment knowing that, well, the, the dynamic really isn't going to be, I don't see as far as like large gatherings and people in live, giant lecture halls and things like that, it, the dynamic of what's going on now probably isn't going to be that much different in, in a couple months. Um, or do we just kind of say, look, we, we've got to live with this, and we've got to recognize that we're, we're going to have group settings and that, you know, there there might be some risks associated with, okay, reopening UW-Madison eight, or San Diego State or whatever, 855-616-1620. Brian in Madison. Brian, you're first. Good afternoon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. What do I you was think? Telling the, the, I was telling the greeter, I, I, completed, I started and completed my bachelor's degree while overseas. And it was all completely 100% online. And I was looking forward to starting this fall in a master's program, which would have both in-class as well as online learning. And with this change, um, a lot of my future classmates we've already made contact with are asking, how do you deal with that where you're not sitting in class? And having been through that experience, I personally love being with people and and you, you engage better in person. But sure. based on my experience, I'm able to relate some of that, the the needs to 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 actually make that education work and and still complete your studies while being devoid of of being in person. Right, it's not what I prefer, but they they appreciate right. the fact that that uh, I've been through it before, so they're leaning on that experience to help them have confidence that what they're learning and how they're going to learn is still acceptable right. in this time versus what they're using. Do you think this fall it's going to be back to normal? Do you think we're going to have campuses open like they were two months ago? I think people are going to be more hesitant to open things up unless they're fully confident that they can keep people safe. Yeah, um, thanks for calling. I mean, no. 
Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, but but I, I think that's it. But I mean, of course, that that again is going to be the, the reality. Now, keep keep in mind with with younger people. And again, that's why I'm a do the math guy. And you look at the statistics. And it's why I was talking about the last segment of the program about how like they look at Maryland and they find that 48 percent of the fatalities come from you know people who contracted this at at senior living facilities. Um, so is it a different dynamic when you're dealing with? I don't know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who are going to be, and I understand there's some older college students, but, you know, in general, you're talking about young people and you're talking about the teachers and people living in, in close confines like the dorms or the student housing close to there, and, and you have a lot of college towns that, I don't know, maybe, you know, before college, when college is out of session, the town is 15,000, and when college is in session, it's 35,000 or, or whatever. I mean, is, is this going to impact on the decision that people make to, to go to schools or to send your kids back to school? Obviously, the online learning is a, it's a, it's a different and not as good as an alternative for the, the whole college experience. At the same time, I, I, I just, I wonder, just from a perspective of you know desires to be safe or whatever, will this will this stop it? And then then you get into all the other types of things about. I mean, think about the college experience and, and the game day football games and all. I, I swear, I I don't understand given where we are, the mindset that, that a lot of people have, the way government's approaching this, I mean, I, I, don't, I do not understand at all how you know, you're going to be able to have football games and, and 90,000 people piling into Camp Randall, whether it's, whether that, it's right or wrong, whether it's an overreaction or not. Can, can you see that at, at late August or early September or whatever, where you have all these people gathered together on bleachers like that? I, just, I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing today? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Good, good. I actually teach for Waukesha County Technical College. Oh, technical. We have college. a different okay. approach to this. We're we're hands on. So what do we do? You know what right. I mean? Yeah. I actually, yes. I actually got my bachelor's and my master's degree online through UW Stout. You know, for the four year colleges, they can make that happen. But for the tech colleges. We need to be able to get our students and our employees back to working because it benefits both the community and our students. So we got to right. figure out a way how to do it safely. We don't really have a choice. You know, a lot of what we can do online, and I have to commend WCTC. We've already moved a lot of stuff online in anticipation for what's coming in the future. Not this, but it's actually worked out really well for us. and We've done a really good job with our students. But going forward, what do we do with the hands-on skills? How do we teach them? while still being safe. What's your answer? Do you, do you have an idea? <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot, but I mean, no, it's, I think that's, you know, you, that's, you're, that's you're exactly that's right. Tough, yeah. yeah, I teach in the truck driving program, and right now we have three students per truck. In the classroom, we have 12 to 15 students in the classroom. What we can do is, um, you know, the classrooms are meant for 20 to 25 students. You know, we spread them out in the classroom, maybe take smaller classes, stagger our class starts so we can take a smaller class. Um, we can do more one-on-one training in the trucks, so there's less people in the trucks. And then when we're on our closed course training, we can do uh, more one-on-one stuff, more trucks, less students in each truck. So we've talked about those options, and going forward, I think we're going to have to do some of those. Now, I should know this off the top of my head, but but most most students at your school are, are commuters, right? There, there's not a huge, like, on-campus living presence, right? 
there is no on-campus living uh, presence. Yeah. We're all commuters, yeah. But we come from all parts of all parts of the Midwest here. So we're coming from right. Milwaukee, West Bend, you name it. So right, 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 right. But so at least in your situation, you know, with you, we're going to do smaller classes. We're going to spread people out. You know, maybe we can get some of that hands-on stuff, and you don't have to worry about a situation where oh, we've got thirty-five thousand people living in dorms and stuff in those in those close quarters. Maybe it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit easier, even though it's going to be a challenge for you guys. I agree with you. You make a very good point. Our dynamic is completely different. We have to have the hands-on, and we also don't have the conglomerate of um, thirty to 40,000 right. people there at any given time. So you make a great point. Yeah, no, th- thanks for calling. No, but I mean, it's, but I, mean I do think, right, for, for, some, for, a, for a commuter school, a community college, it, it's, it's perhaps easier to do that. And, and look, you, you can do online instruction. I appreciate what Jeff is talking about. You know, you need, you know, there are, there are certain disciplines and, you know, in the technical school, it's got to be that hands-on type of stuff. There's only, there's only okay, you're, you're teaching somebody to fly. For, for example, you, you can do all the work you possibly can in the, the flight simulators and on the computers and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, you're, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to go up in the airplane. You're going to have to have the instructor, you know, next to you. That, that's just kind of the, the, the reality that's there if you want to get, if you want to be a commercial pilot. You're, you know, you're going to have to have the hands-on stuff. If you want to be an economist well, okay, then, you know, you can probably get by with the, and I don't mean get by, but, you know, that the, the online courses and watching the, watching the professor lecture from home or from a podium or whatever, it's easier to make that work. But, I mean, I, I just, again, I, I mean, I think this is going to be this huge issue moving forward. Do we open up the schools in general? But in particular, you know, do you open up, you know, how do you open up these colleges where you've got all the, the students or a good portion of the students that are living in confined quarters? And, I mean, no matter, no matter how much you, you try to socially distance and stuff, there's only so much you, you can do if you've got, you know, all these people that are living in a, in a big dorm room. Or, I mean, think about UWM where you've got the dorms and then you've also got all the, on, or Marquette, you've got all the on-campus housing that, that's close and people are living in the student apartments and all. That, that's, there's going to be a lot of people living close. Tristan in Wapaka. Tristan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you? How is this going to all play out in the near future? Uh, yes. Uh, so I've called before. I'm at, uh, at UW Oshkosh currently, um, and I just wanted to add input on. I know actually a couple of kids, a couple of seniors that can't graduate because of all this because they need to be in person and uh, they need to rep- uh, write their thesis papers, have it submitted to their professors. They need just as you were saying, some classes need to be. Um, uh, in person, and unfortunately for those students, they they can't graduate this semester, even though they were on track to. Um, oh, I guess that I'm would suck. <laughs> that yeah, that would yeah, really no, for, suck. <laughs> Boy, no kidding. No kidding. Um, uh, I, but I do know a lot of us other students too, who if this does continue through next fall, and let's say we continue with online classes only, uh, a lot of students aren't going to want to do that, and I think there's going to be a. Uh, 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 major subtraction in the total number of students that do enroll for the uh, 2020 fall semester. Well, Tristan, why do you think that is? Just because it, it's not the same, and, and part of college is just going to get the college experience and you know interacting, and 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 yeah, you you can take the online classes, but it's just materially different. Is is that kind of why people might drop out? I I, I would personally say probably. Um, I know a lot of kids did want to drop out this semester alone. Uh, however, we were right. already halfway through. 
so now we're trying to just power through. But you know, this the the adaption from in person to online classes in the the, the uh, court matter of a couple of weeks kind of uh, hasn't oh, been yeah. the greatest for a lot of students, and it, it's kind of just. Like you said, yes, I think that college experience is desired, and I do think that is why a lot of uh, students choose to go live in those confined campuses and uh, live near campus and everything. <clears throat> yeah, hey, hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate you joining us. I really do. Thanks so much for listening to us. You know, the, you know, and, and the, here's the other dynamic that just talking about the economics of this, and, and I understand some people say, well, you shouldn't even talk about economics, it's a pandemic, it doesn't make any difference. Well, okay, tell that to the, what was the number today, the 30 million people who have been unemployed since coronavirus hit, tell them that economics shouldn't be factored into the decisions at all. But, I mean, think about, think about what, what colleges bring to college towns, whether it's, it's the, the apartments or whether it's the the kids paying their tuition and their fees and, and staying, I mean, I mean, just we're now starting to see how the UW system is just laying off employees, they're furloughing employees right and left because you, you you can only keep them on salary, you can only keep them on the payroll so long when essentially they're not they're not doing anything because the, the kids are all gone. And think about what it means to the economies of of the college towns that depend on all the money coming in, and if you don't have if, if you don't have the colleges, I don't see how you can have the sports. So think about what that means if all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're not going to have the, the Badgers basketball games, uh, baseball, football games. And I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but, but this is kind of the dynamic where, you know, you're, you're looking at how soon can we figure out a way to get large groups of people back together because there, there's only so much social distancing that you're going to be able to do, you know, in, in a college setting yeah you can yeah you can you can spread out people in the lecture halls and you can stagger that but you're still going to have have all these these students that are in this particular environment and and think about if that doesn't happen i mean we're, I, I haven't talked to my brother about this yet but i mean let's like i say my niece is in san diego right now okay if they decide to cancel the fall semester like in person well you know what 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 do you do do you yeah she's she's in off-campus housing but do you say okay well you know you here, you know, you're you're away from graduating, so you can continue to take classes, but it doesn't make any sense to have you, you know, in, in California paying the the rent out there and stuff. And I'm sure she would not like to hear her uncle talking like that. But it's but it, it's these all these dynamics, and and this is kind of the reality that we got to figure out. And I understand we're we're kind of looking at a day to day thing, but I'm also kind of trying to look month to month and what are we going to look like in the fall. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. Please don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Just to kind of put a, a bow on our conversation in the last half hour about whether or not kids are going to be going back to school, a couple texts. Jeff, I work as a college professor who had to switch online. Students who switch to online learning are having a very hard time with time management with online learning. They struggle with concentration at home. They also struggle without having study groups and peers to work with. Makes eminent sense to me. Jeff, I agree with your last caller, Tristan. I'm not sure my son will return to Carroll next year. He hates the online learning, and he's really struggling. And then the, the last one I want to share with you, Jeff, if the college students are basically not at risk because they are young, 
and, and that is not at risk of bad consequences. I mean, you, can, you catch COVID-19, you, you get sick, but you, you recover. Why not have face-to-face classes? Take special measures for the few of those who are at risk. Can you discuss this? Well, I, that ties in with, again, what, what I've been talking about for the longest time, about the need to be smart. Now, whenever I do this, I understand there's people out there say, oh, you're just downplaying the, the significance of this. But I, I was listening to, again, the clip that we keep playing with Andrea Palm, who's the head of the acting head of the Department of Health Services, who says, look, this, this is going to be with us till we get a vaccine. And, and here's kind of the reality check for everybody out there. You know, best case scenario, vaccine a year to a year and a half, maybe some therapeutic treatment before that. But COVID-19 isn't going anywhere. That's the reality. And as I pointed out the other day, the quickest we have been able to develop a vaccine for anything has been mumps, and that took four years. Now, I understand that was a number of years ago. We've had advances. So maybe it's not going to take four years, but maybe it is. So this is this is kind of the reality that's out there. And we have to figure out how we are going to live with this, which is why when we started all, and first of all, I I think social distancing is smart. I think it's here to stay. But when we started all these government-mandated shutdowns, remember the original thing was flatten the curve. Remember that phrase, which was let's make sure that we don't have so many outbreaks that we overwhelm the capacity we have to take care of people. So that was that was the goal. Well, okay, that has morphed over the last few weeks. We're not really looking at flattening the curve now. We're looking at how can we guarantee that nobody's going to get sick. And, and, and if that's the standard, I don't know what the answer is because I don't think that you can ever, until you get the vaccine, a year from now, two years from now, four years from now, I don't think you can ever guarantee that you're not going to have people get sick. So to me, the the criteria has to be how can we reduce the possibility that people are going to get sick, and that's where I think like the social distancing and stuff, you know, comes in. But on on top of that, we then have to start saying, all right, we're let's look at our particularly vulnerable populations. Let's let's put our emphasis there. Let's concentrate on how can we keep it out of the meatpacking plants, and how can we keep it out of the nursing homes and, and things like that. Let let's be smart about our approach let's be surgical because the reality is COVID-19 is going to be with us we, we can't guarantee that nobody is going to get sick just like we can't guarantee that nobody's going to get cancer and I understand cancer is different than COVID-19 just like we can't guarantee that people aren't going to get the flu and I understand COVID-19 is different than the flu but we have to uh, again concentrate and protect the most vulnerable populations I, I was struck today by the economic news and it's one of the reasons the stock market is down Let's see, latest uh, stock market down 335 points because, again, really bad economic numbers. The new numbers out today say 3.8 million new people sought jobless aid last week, unemployment claims, 30-plus million since the coronavirus hit. So whenever I hear some politician say, we're all in this together, I admit I want to scream <laughs> because... 
the, the answer is yes or no. Yeah, we're, we're all in it together, but you know, some of us, and I lump myself in this category, we're, we're in the shallow end of the pool. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still working. I'm working at home, but this is an inconvenience to me, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not unemployed. It's not like I've had to expend my life savings. I'm not worried about feeding my kids or you know, paying rent or the mortgage or stuff like that. So I, I'm in the, yeah, we're all in this together, but for people like me and maybe like you, if you're for example, I don't know, maybe you're, you're working at home like I am or, or you're retired. It's perhaps an, an inconvenience. You know, you, you, can't, you can't interact with your friends as much. You can't, you know, go to your favorite restaurants. You, you can't go see a ball game like you did. It's stuff that, you know, I miss, but, but it's something that you can live with. But, but that's us. We're in the shallow end. And then you've got the people that are in the deep end. You've got this 30-plus million people who are unemployed who, yes, they're getting a little bit of government aid, maybe, and that's going to last for a little while, but it's not going to replace the jobs. And if those jobs don't come back anytime soon, well, they're they're trying to figure out how to sink or swim. So we're, we're all in this together, but not really. So like I say, some people are in the deep end and some people aren't, which is why I continue to believe we need to be smarter and we need to be surgical about stuff, and we need to, again, Get businesses open as soon as possible and not be looking for reasons to keep the businesses shut, which is one of the things that I have been arguing for weeks, that that closing businesses without trying to consider whether closing the business really is going to make people safer or not has never made any sense. And this argument about what is an essential business and what isn't, to, to me, it's, again, government picking winners and losers. There was a story, I, I saw it on uh, Channel 12 yesterday, Right Wisconsin. The, the website has a piece about this as well. It's a story about a, a woman who runs, she runs a gift shop in Wisconsin Dells, right? Main Street in Wisconsin Dells is pretty much shuttered, all right? So she decides, you know, she's been closed, but she decides, you know what, I'm, I'm going to reopen because... I look at the stuff that a lot of the stuff that I'm selling in in my gift shop, I'm selling soaps, I'm selling hand sanitizer, I, I'm selling some of these personal products a, as well. We, we've always had this stuff available, and you know they're, they're they're selling that at the local grocery stores, they're selling that at Target, they're they're selling that you know somewhere else as well. You can buy all these things at all these other stores. Well, I mean I'm selling essential products. Why shouldn't I be open? And so she opens up. And then what happens? The alderman from the area sends the cops over, and the cops end up shutting her down. And she says, look, here, here's the deal. I mean, I'm, there, I, I sell a lot of the same things that these other stores sell that, that just makes them essential products. Now, I sell some other stuff, too. I've got a gift shop, yeah. But at the same time, if you go into a, a Costco or a Walmart or a Target, you know, you're going to see essential goods, but you're going to see a lot of other stuff that, that's arguably quote-unquote non-essential that they are selling as well. And we don't say, okay, you know, you go into that Target store and you're only limited as to certain products as to which you, you can buy. And this lady's saying it, it's, not, it's not fair. 
and yet the authorities ended up that they shut her down. They said, well, okay, you, if you're going to open up, it's got to be just a curbside service, nobody in the store, et cetera, et cetera. Whether she's going to do that or not, I, I don't know. But she's like, you know, why, why are we picking and choosing between essential businesses? I'm selling the same thing these people are. To me, the fundamental question really should be, by having this little gift store open on Main Street in, 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 Main Street in, in Wisconsin Dells, are you significantly increasing the likelihood of the spread of this disease? I mean, if, if that store, which my guess is, you know, may, maybe outside the tourist season, maybe you get a half dozen or a dozen people in there a, a day, okay, it, by letting her operate, are you really increasing the risk that people are going to get sick when they're buying a lot of the same things down the road, probably with hundreds of them in the Walmart or the Target or, or whatever? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess my point and my question is, don't we need to be smarter about this? And, and instead of worrying about what an essential business is, shouldn't we essentially be saying, all right, we're going to let people open up unless... We think that there is a likelihood that by allowing these businesses to open up, we're going to spread this disease, and particularly spread the disease in vulnerable populations. So, I mean, uh, under I understand why if you run a, a roller skating rink that depends on having you know hundreds of people there on a Friday night, I understand why, okay, maybe we've got to have different rules for you than we have for the little gift shop or the little, I, I don't know, fill in the blanks, the little card store or, or whatever. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's where I think the approach has just been has been backward and kind of misses the point. It's not should we be looking at ways to find out excuses to close places. It's like let's figure out how to open places and let them stay open and let them keep people employed unless keeping them employed and keeping it open is going to exi- you know, result in lots and lots of people getting sick and not being able to go to this woman's gift store to buy sanitizer or something. It's not like the people aren't going to buy that. They're going to be down the road at the big box retailer where their chances are they're going to be exposed to a heck of a lot more people. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, we'll be back with your calls in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So it's an interesting story that this woman who runs a little gift store downtown Wisconsin Dells, which has essentially been been closed, she decides to open up. She says, you know what, I'm selling, I got my gifts, but I'm selling a lot of the same stuff that they're selling, you know, down the street at the big box retailers. And, you know, why shouldn't I be open? And yet the authorities closed them down. Let's talk to John in Sheboygan. John, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching uh, one of the local uh, news uh, feeds on a, or news uh, cast at 10 o'clock. And long story short, uh, they were really ripping Hobby Lobby for being open. In fact, so much so that they were they were ordered to close. And then the net, like two stories later, they were extolling the virtue, virtues of of Winkies for being uh-huh. open. They were featured as one of their open businesses. The point, the point they were making was uh, that Winkies had back-to-school or school supplies, so they're essential. Right. But, but I am just with you on this. Hey, look, if, if the business itself 
is doing social distancing, if they're offering what they view, and, and again, this is a subjective thing, what they view is, right. uh, you know, essential, let's let them open, let's give them the right to do it, and let's stay out of their lives, you know? Right, and then let the customers decide. No, no, thanks for the call. But, I mean, that's a classic example. Look, I love Winkies in Whitefish Bay. It's one of the old-fashioned, kind of like a like a throwback five-and-dime sort of store and things like that. And, and, and yeah, they, they were open, and, and they're because they sell educational games and puzzles and, and things like that. But, you know, why? And they were doing they were doing a great job. Well, but right, how it, it's a matter of degree. What's the matter with allowing, again, the hobby lobbies to open? To me, again, I understand. If you're saying, look, a, a, a gym, for example, is a different sort of situation where you've got lots of people together and everybody's touching the same equipment and, and we've got to be worried about this. Okay, I, I understand why, from a public health perspective, you treat that that situation differently. I understand why, you know, you've got the big concert venues. Okay, that that's a different sort of thing. Or, or, you know, baseball, if baseball wanted to play. I, I get all that. But the picking and choosing with the little businesses, and I understand the frustration that a lot of these small business people have. Now, at the same time, let, let us be honest. Uh, given, given what's happening right now, people sheltering at home, staying at home, um, the astronomical unemployment numbers that are out there, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of stuff going on beyond just the government closure orders. And a lot of businesses that are allowed to stay open are making the decision that they're not going to stay open right now because just people aren't shopping, people aren't buying things. So that's why you have, you know, quote-unquote essential businesses who, who just decide not to operate. You've got restaurants who can, yeah, I, I concede, restaurants can operate carryout and stuff, but at a lot of restaurants, huge chunk of their income comes from the bar business. So you close down the bar, it, it's it's not the same. You know, it. Uh, yes, they can do carry out, but in a lot of places that carry out only it replaces a fraction of what their otherwise their income would be. And sometimes the restaurants just make the decision that, hey, from a dollars and cents perspective, it doesn't make any sense for us to end up staying open. But again, I just think we've been approaching this with, with the wrong way. Shouldn't we have been looking? And, and the reason I do this is I think we need to be forward looking because who knows when there's going to be a vaccine. Somebody just sent me a text saying, Jeff. You know, this is going to be all academic because there's going to be a vaccine by October. I hope so. Man, I want to tell you, you want to talk about making life for everybody easier? You know, you get a vaccine in this country that can be widely distributed. I think that's unrealistic, but I I hope I'm, I'm wrong. I think the best case scenario is maybe you get maybe you get a therapeutic. By that, I mean something. That, that you can give somebody who, who gets it, you can give it, and, and it minimizes the, the symptoms, like like Tamiflu with, with the various strains of flu. That, I think, is perhaps the best-case scenario, and, and maybe you can have something like that. So, again, people don't get as sick, and in the most extreme cases, it, it can I mean maybe minimize things. That, I think, is the best-case scenario. But believe me, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you have a vaccine by October, and if my doctor says it's safe and the government says it's safe, I'll, I'll get the vaccine. I don't want to get COVID-19, but I, I just think that's unlikely. I think we have to figure out moving forward if if there is a recurrence of this in the fall, like some experts predict, okay, that's gonna the curve's gonna go down, and then you're gonna have more people getting sick in the fall. All right, do, do we just do the same thing, saying okay, we're gonna shut down everything, or again, do we need to be more surgical and say, all right, let's concentrate on where most of the cases are, and let's concentrate on the situations where if people get it, they're likely to be the sickest, and let's concentrate on figuring out, all right, is it really likely? 
that allowing this woman who runs a little gift shop in Wisconsin Dells, allowing her to stay open and allowing a handful of people to come into the store, is that really likely to increase the spread of COVID-19 in any material way? And if it is, explain how. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.